I, that's why I'm more. It's just why, yeah, it was like, it was, it was like, it was, I, met, it was, I think it was. Stop catfishing. Not, not slowness at all. Like, you know. And it's supposed to. It looks like. What? It's like, what? Yeah. 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 Why the fuck have you been crying? Goodbye, wimps. You tasted, it tasted that, it tasted that fluoride in there. Yeah. Wow. And that chlorine. Mm-hmm. And that third eye calcification up in there. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. You don't mind the double entendre there. Um, <laughs> 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 I think that's certainly kinetic. As I was doing that, I'm thinking. All I, had, all I was trying to do is think pint with a pint in my head. Hello, folks. This is Albert Shivers, and you're listening to yet another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast, the best of the B podcast there is, truthfully. Nothing, nothing more, nothing more. I don't know what. Sometimes I just do accents. I don't know. Anyway, on this episode, we have a second conversation with Ella Steinbeck. If you recall, last summer I went down to New York City to visit Ella. She is a comedian, an actress, and now sufferer of Lyme's disease and Eller-Daniels syndrome. And her and I got back together over FaceTime to talk about what it was like to suffer from those chronic illnesses in the middle of New York City during Corona. It was a great conversation. And before we get to that, just want to give you all some updates. First of all, next month, July, I will be having a jazz art show in Stroudsburg, PA. Um, it'll be my work, exclusively jazz work. I don't have dates and times yet, but I will by next week. And there will be jazz art of mine there, most of which you know you may have seen before. And there's going to be a good amount of pieces, though, that you've never seen before. They've not been posted anywhere. One of those reasons being is because this week I am... It's not something to be proud of, but I'm a little proud of it. And very happy with myself is I extricated myself from Facebook. And I've never felt better. And to boil it all down... I've never been so happy to not know what people are thinking. I have no idea what people are thinking, and I'm happy about it. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, It's just nice to not always be like reaching for the phone or going on the computer. And, you know, it it's not a tether. You don't realize it's a tether until you're not tethered anymore. So there's that. But I still got... Lots of art and stuff on Instagram. The Instagram's going to keep going strong. You could, If you're not already following me, uh, check it out. And if you like it, eh, give it a follow. I'm on Instagram at Albert Shivers. So with all that said, I have a quick little shout out to do. The warm weather has come. Here in Pennsylvania, at least, things are for the most part in, um, they're opening up. People are going out. They're doing things. And it really would be a great time to some family photos, some post-pandemic family photos. So in this area, if you're in my area or anywhere in the 
eastern Pennsylvania section, you're going to want to call Renee D. Photography. Okay, I know Renee personally, and I'm going to tell you her photography, her studio, voted number one in the Poconos. And let me tell you, there's a lot of photographers here taking shitty-ass pictures, but Renee is not one of them. So you can, she, her, um, I'll get an address for you. But um, her studio is located right in the center circle of Strasbourg. And she does all kinds of photos. She does weddings, newborns, maternities, headshots, family, documentary, couples, commercial photos, children photos, boudoir photos, and birth stories and birth photos. She takes pictures of births. Go find, you know, go find a photographer to do that. And I can say I knew her before she was a photographer and she was doing other things. She got a camera and just natural. Boom. And speaking of natural, one of the best things about her pictures is she uses very few, if any, Photoshop tricks. It's all natural. She captures you naturally. Like nature, she captures you. And makes you look great no matter what with this natural form of photo taking no matter what you look like if you have a big snaggle tooth her camera and her ability makes it look beautiful um go check out her website it is reneedphotography.com and you can see lots of examples so i'll spell it out that's renee r-e-n-e-e d which is spelled d E-E, then photography. You can figure that word out. Now, it is not only her website that you could find her at. You could find her on Instagram at Renee D. Photography. You can contact her via email at Renee D. Photography at gmail.com. And if you'd like to visit her studio and outside there's a little card, you could take a business card. It is 43 North 7th Street in Stroudsburg, PA. You're not going to be disappointed. There's even a contact her section on the website. And you could also find her on Facebook. You won't find me on Facebook, but you'll find her on Facebook. And like I said, Instagram, Renee D Photography. And I think the best thing about it is we all get nervous for the most part in front of the camera taking pictures maybe doing a family photo session some for a lot of folks the camera can be disconcerting but I feel like Renee's personality really is warm and is open and inviting and you forget the cameras even there I've had um, some photos taken with Renee and it's fun She's amazing. She also does, um, I don't think I mentioned it, sunrise and sunset photo sessions. So if you want to stand in a tulip field while the sun's rising, or in a sunflower patch when the sun's setting, give her a call because, you know, she knows all the spots. Get a picture taken. Mark time, you know, why not? So with that, we're going to get to the episode. Um, Ella and I had a fun conversation. It was great to see her.
great to see that she's hanging in there. And she provided a lot of information as well as sharing um, a piece she has recently written about living with chronic illness during a pandemic. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And um, yeah, here's Ella. Oh, and if you'd like to check out the first episode with Ella Steinbeck, go back to episode 16 entitled Prison of Illness. Okay, now here's Ella. So here we are, another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. And if you guys remember, last summer we had on Ella Steinbeck, who is a comedian, actress, and also sufferer of a few chronic illnesses, including Lyme and Eller-Daniel syndrome, which I got the hang of the name of now. <laughs> um, and I had been thinking about the impact of living with chronic illness, that there are so many people out there who aren't really vocal about it, like just silent sufferers, let's call them. And um, now their lives, which were already stressful, are now immensely more stressful with a pandemic happening and where the average person who's healthy and all that good stuff can start to maybe get back to normal now, depending on where you are, that's murky, but we're moving in the direction of normality for the average person. But for folks with chronic illness, that probably isn't as smooth of a transition for regular folks. Not to mention the past four, five months where we had to be locked down and quarantined and wiping off, you know, food from the grocery store and all this stuff. So I wanted to have you back on, Ella, to sort of talk about that. I mean, I have a very low level of Lyme, so I don't really put myself in the same category as people who are suffering every single day, wake up from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed. So what has it been like, you know, since coronavirus really took hold, especially in New York City? Right. So, well, first of all, you know, and your Lyme could come back raging at any time. You know, you never know. So, right. you know, that is one of the scary things about a condition like Lyme. As so many chronic illnesses, right? There's degrees of it. You, you may be fine for a while, and then you're not fine, and then sometimes you go back to fine again. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things is you just have this constant anxiety and fear that you could do something that could make it worse. So of course, having something like the coronavirus um, out there, you feel even more scared. Maybe, you know, they say, oh, you know, if you're uh, overweight, diabetes, like these certain conditions that make you more you know, over the age of 65. But if you're someone in the chronic illness community, there are exceptions to all of those rules. And you don't want to end up being one of those and end up in a worse situation than you already are. So mm -hmm. everything is all about playing, you know, uh, offense and everything you do is about prevention. So when this came out, a lot of us are a little compulsive about how we go about life anyway, between masks, wiping things off anyway. You know, a lot of us were doing that um, daily just because we do have such a fear of getting something else. Mm -hmm. And now we have a pandemic. So of course, you know, many of us feel like we do not want to go back out into the world, especially now it feels super unsafe because people are wearing less masks. Now more people are outside. 
So now that everything's opening back up, we're still inside on our couches because everything is even scarier than it was. So it's freaky. Even the doctor's offices, you know, some of the insurance companies are not going to pay for um, telemedicine uh, visits anymore. And it's like, who are you to tell me how I can visit my doctor? What difference does it make to these companies? Right. It's really horrible. Even people on Medicaid, they're, they're, they're cutting off their telemedicine visits. So mm-hmm. now they have to go in person. And I think that's really wrong for people who are immunocompromised or do have, you know, these other conditions that make them more vulnerable. Yeah. So you've been, I've been following you on Instagram a lot and you're, I guess you changed your handle maybe or adjusted your handle to Ella tries to solve pain riddles. So that's oh, where that's my can... uh, name. So my handle is at Life with Lyman Ellers Danlos. Okay. But, the, but my name ish. Okay. Oh, I the gotcha. other part of that, yes. Okay. Is Ella tries to solve pain riddles. Yeah. Okay. So the handle hasn't changed since. No. Last time. Okay. So just so people know where they can find you. Yeah. But you've been um, posting a lot of things on there for folks with chronic illness, just sort of showing what you're going through and giving advice to other folks. Um, so what's some of the things you've been, you've been putting up there? Um, well, uh, right. So, you know, um, one of the biggest craziest things is there's this really odd argument going on. I, and I'm sure you've seen it in, in the world and also Instagram and social media, you know, people, uh, don't believe coronavirus exists. Um, People with Lyme disease, which I think, or even Ehlers-Danlos, you know, these hard-to-diagnose conditions um, are even saying coronavirus doesn't exist. And yet, I I don't know if you know anyone personally, but for those of us who know people personally who have died with coronavirus Mm -hmm. um, and didn't necessarily have very many outside conditions that, you know what I'm saying, it shouldn't have happened to him, a friend of ours died, he's told the doctor, you know... uh, his symptoms, the doctor said, I, you know, I think you have COVID, um, but I don't think you're bad enough to go to the hospital. He ended up dying at home. And mm. you have people denying those deaths, saying, oh, but it was something else. It was something else. Yeah, but without the COVID, they would not have been triggered to die. Right. Right? So we can say, yes, those other things occur. But I find it um, especially stressful for people who have suffered and lost people to COVID. Um that these people are denying them those deaths, which creates a lot of anxiety even more so in, mm-hmm. in these populations because people are denying their illness who have also been denied their illness. It's like, it kind of blows my mind. Am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, I follow you. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is there's this argument in this chronic illness community of people who are disagreeing on whether, COVID exists or not. And the right. thing is that the numbers, and I don't know why this has to be so controversial is when you look at the numbers of COVID cases originally, and I'm saying in New York, right, we had a huge, right. you know, we were, we were a burning building yeah. and we were trying to escape it and not all of us could get out. And, um, the, the thing about that is, is like all those deaths, all that overcrowding in the hospital was very real. I know people who work in the hospital. I, they've seen it with their own eyes. They were working it and living it daily. They said it was hell. Um, 
And when you get people who try to say, oh, it's not actually happening. Okay, maybe it was not happening where you live, but that doesn't mean it was not happening. Because you didn't see it with your own eyes does not make it untrue. The same as when you went to the doctor with your symptoms of Lyme and they try to tell you, you know, try to tell people it's rheumatoid arthritis or MS or whatever, or tell you, um, you know, it's all in your head. Why are you putting other people through that? It's like a hazing opportunity. I, I really don't understand yeah. how a chronic illness population can, can, um, can devalue someone else's illness illness experience. It's, uh, it's really disheartening. And actually it's, it really hurts my heart that people are, um, arguing about whether someone is actually sick. Just believe them. You know what? We've got lots of time to figure out how all this happened and, um, what happened and, uh, you know, everything, you know, all oil rises to the top. Right. So mm-hmm. I could be wrong. You could be wrong. We could be wrong, but let's just be nice to these people, not have to make them fight about whether they had COVID or not. I mean, this mm-hmm. is outrageous to me. It's like life's hard enough. Or really, this is where you want to dig your feet in. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. It's mind blowing that we're arguing about whether this is actually happening or not. Guys. But when you're a New Yorker, you know it friggin' happens. Yeah, that's, no, I, that's all I can right. say. Right? So, and, without getting into like the the politics of it all, um, yeah. What are your feelings? A lot of people are talking about that there's a possibility that the coronavirus could have been in the U.S. months earlier than everything started to ramp up. So I guess for argument's sake, we could say the beginning of March is when everything was like, okay, we're shutting things down and it's happening. But there's talk that it's been here since maybe... It's been here since December, easily, maybe November. And I'm convinced that people I know had it then because and possibly even me in a very minor way yeah but um because i got you know the whole like sick thing and with me when i get a cold it's mainly in my head especially my sinuses it always goes right there yeah never in my chest and i had gotten a cold in december go to my doctors i got a cold maybe a sinus infection and he Mm. sort of knows my deal and knows that it goes right to my nose and when he's, you know, doing the stethoscope and all that stuff, he goes, boy, it's really in your chest this time. And I was like, oh, really? Huh. And, you know, you don't think about it. You just, oh, it's it, this is a little bit different cold. And I went home and I took the medicine and I was fine. Um, in December, my father had pneumonia, which wow. he never really gets. So um, even amongst the people I know, there's been chatter about, like, has it been here earlier? Have people already had it and just didn't know there's so much like gray area and everyone seems to get it different. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of people that get it differently. And you know, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of people that all they did was like lose their sense of smell. Right. You know, and it's just, it's so hard because all the, uh, uh, different for people. Um, I was having a thought about that, and now I'm forgetting my thought. Oh, December, November, yes. So, like, I had been following this since, like, December. You know, I was was in China in October. Oh, really? Okay. Talk about, like, freaking reality check. It's like, I feel so lucky, you know, that I got out when I did. Um, But even in December, I was flying, and I was wearing my mask. Um, Mm -hmm. 
because COVID was here and right. it was only in a couple of pockets, but I thought it's not in a couple of pockets, right? Nothing happens in right. a couple of pockets. It's yeah. here. And I felt really uncomfortable flying, um, but no one was making a big deal of it. And then you feel like you're being, you know, uh, you know, making a big deal out of it. If no one else is, so you feel like this certain self-consciousness about, but at the same time, I'm not going to jeopardize my health because other people think I'm crazy. Right. Like I don't really care. You right. can look at me like I'm nuts. That's fine. I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, wash my hands, wear my mask and, uh, and, and take care of myself and what you do is your business. Um, but you're, you know, people shouldn't have an opinion about how someone's taking care of their health anyway. Everyone is, it's a personal thing, a personal decision. No one should be giving anyone a hard time about it. But it was me and another woman. We were both wearing masks mm-hmm. uh, in that part of the plane. And there were some other people, you know, scattered around. Um, and then I had to fly again in January and I felt even more concerned about it mm-hmm. and I remember even because I take a wheelchair through the airport because I can't walk or stand for very long right. and the girl was pushing uh, the wheelchair out to um, you know af- uh, through uh, baggage claim and we were talking and I said um, are you scared about coronavirus and she said yeah I am she said but they told us we could wear our mask but I'm afraid to wear my mask because I don't want people to think I'm crazy I said well and I said basically the same thing I said you can't be worried if other people think you're crazy. You can't get sick. She goes, no, I know I can't because I have two kids. Yeah. And I was like, see, why have we made it so so hard for people to want to take care of themselves because they're so afraid of public opinion? You know, mm-hmm. it's really it's really sad. We can't live that way. Uh, clearly, we can die that way, though. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah, here, you know, like once um, once everything really started to hit in New York, here, especially being on the main line um, from Route 80, um, the first thing was all the buses started to shut down. Marts, Greyhound, all those trips oh, yeah, between yeah. New York and here. And I, you know, th- there are a lot of people choosing sides on this next point. But I really tried not to. I tried to, like, be empathetic to both and see both sides. But what ended up happening was there was this mad rush up from New York and mm-hmm. some part of New Jersey because food and supplies were gone down by you. So there was a yeah. mad dash up here. And um, in the more rural areas around up in Pennsylvania, they were calling them front platers. That was the fun little term. for. I never heard that before, front platers. Yeah, I don't know if it's like new because of corona or they've always kept this a secret, but now they're more vocal. <laughs> But yeah, New Yorkers are front platers. Okay. And um, there would be like locals, again, not so much around here because it's pretty integrated, but like in the more rural areas who would start like arguments in parking lots of the, of the path mark or whatever because there was this weird mad dash. And meanwhile, everyone <laughs> here is trying to stock up too. Yeah. So you got all the locals trying to stock up. Then you have people coming in from New York who can't get food by them. Yep. And it just turned into this crazy snowball effect. It was crazy anyway because it was like, we aren't having a food shortage. And right. you can order groceries for delivery. Slow down, everyone. Just go home. There's no reason to crowd these grocery stores and taking everything. It was yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. 
And, I mean, the, 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 the elephant in the room of bizarreness with all this whole thing was the toilet paper. And I was so lucky, Ella, because <laughs> in February, I had a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I was in the store and they had a sale on these huge packages. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy this huge package of toilet paper. I'll be good for a while. Like, yeah. I don't have to worry about this for a long time. And it'll just be one less thing. So then, you know, 15 days later, it all hits. And I was sitting pretty. And it was like this one nice little thing. The envy of your whole town. I was, but I didn't, like, I felt self-conscious about it. Right. Because, number one, like, everyone's fighting for it. And then, secondly, I'm like, like, here I am sitting on this pile. Like, I felt guilty, almost. Right. But... Yeah. I know, I know, you do, you feel guilty You know, I, I take hydroxychloroquine And as soon as they made that announcement I was like, oh crap Is someone going to break into my apartment and steal my hydroxychloroquine? Um, man You know? Right I mean, I was totally freaked out because people were stealing everything People would have deliveries And like, if they ordered gloves, those gloves would be missing By the time they got home to collect packages You yeah. know, I mean People have been like what? Uh, what's the Like, uh What's the uh, the one where the gasoline and they're trying to the Mad Max? Uh, oh, right, the, I think it was was the the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, rem- I remember. That's what, that's what I feel like. Yeah, it's like we were in some kind of weird apocalypse. Yeah, and then I think it was in down in Brooklyn in Borough Park. There was the guy who was hoarding the N95 masks. Did you hear see that? I- I mean, I read several stories of okay. people doing that. There was, like, some group of brothers that had bought, like, a whole bunch of hand sanitizer and some other people with, like, you know, six million masks, yeah. you know, hoarding them. I mean, it's outrageous. It's like everyone lost their, you know, their civilized selves and became their animal selves. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was in the supermarket earlier this week, and they had hand sanitizer, and I thought it was a mirage. It's like, wait a yeah. minute. And, but the thing was, like, no one was around it, which is what uh-huh. made me suspicious. So yeah. I'm like, why aren't people, like, hoarding this? They either, like, just put up the display or something. Because I'm looking and I, like, almost had to, like, wave my hand towards it and, like, touch it and make sure it was real. Right. So here, anyway, I like, supplies are just, just starting to come back. Right. Like, the paper goods aisles are not empty, but they're, like, half empty. As opposed to yeah. completely empty. Yeah. So like things are starting to catch back up. The food has been pretty much back to normal. But yeah, how are supplies down there? You know, it's weird. Well, I did want to say though. Okay. Uh, real quick. Uh, in March, early March, I went to the doctor. And I just gotten back from my LA trip. And because I was there for about, I don't know, four or six weeks or something. Okay. And um, the doctor... Uh, here said that, you know, his other friends and people in the doctor community had been seeing COVID cases for the last six weeks before that in Mm. New York and around. So those doctors just didn't know what to call it at that time because we weren't getting testing. You know, they weren't giving us testing supplies. They couldn't test anyone for COVID. They were just trying to treat these people, but they didn't have a name they could actually give it at that time. Mm -hmm. So they were definitely seeing that early. Okay. Um, but yeah, so as far as food supply, you know, it's been really weird because, you know, I've left the house until this past week. Um, 
I had only been out of the house four times since March 16th. Okay. So when they told me to shelter in place, I sheltered in place. And um, so I was totally dependent on whatever I could get delivered. And so sometimes I would have to use, um, I use Fresh Direct, which is a company here locally that delivers groceries. Uh, There's no store. They just have like a supply house and they they fill orders from there. Right. Um, And then I would use Instacart. Sometimes I would have to have, so Fresh Direct and two different Instacarts, you know, of two other grocery stores around the city just to get my needs, you know, provided. Then um, now I'm basically just relying on Fresh Direct, but they are still out of a lot of things. Um, Oddly, some milks have never been replaced. Uh, Some of the nut milks and even uh, there's a certain brand of skim milk. They still haven't gotten back. Certain salad brands they had throughout the, you know, the worst, the, 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 uh, shelter in place. Now all of a sudden I can't get certain salads and I go to look at other grocery stores and those salads don't exist at all in any of the local grocery stores. So, Hmm. you know, I think because a lot of the farm workers got affected and a lot of these, you know, um, even, you know, the meat processing and and I guess vegetable processing and, you know, farm, farm processing is what I'm trying to think of. You know, they haven't come back online. You know, they were, running probably what with what they had and then now there's no refresh so i don't know what's going to happen to some of this stuff but i can't get it it is impossible Hmm. so yeah it's weird but you know paper supplies seem to be okay uh hand sanitizer still an issue disinfectant wipes still can't get i can't get baking soda no idea what that's about Hmm. i cannot get um isopropyl alcohol i'm still using everclear um which I've been buying gallons of those since the beginning of this because no one has isopropyl alcohol. Mm. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I spray all my groceries down with and, you know, wipe down the handles to you. Cause I, I live in an apartment. You have to go to the trash room to take the trash out. So I'm always spraying everything and right. you know, don't want to contaminate myself. But you know, when I've gone out these few times, I wear coveralls. I have the visor. Okay. I have the, you know, I'll wear two masks. I look insane. I look like an <laughs> alien. But I actually think I prefer looking like an alien. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, at this point, like, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, based on the anxiety, it, you know, people will look at me. But then also, some people will ask me, oh, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Oh, that looks cool. So, I, you know, I'm from the future. Yeah, you might as well take it as an opportunity to be futuristic. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, new, it's new fashion options. Um, but, yeah. And, and even, but I don't know, I'm sure... I, we can't get masks locally yet. I have to do all of that online. Okay. You know, even then it's slim pickings. I don't know. Are you able to get masks where you are? I have a couple, like, gigantic, like, thick scarves that if I'm in the mood, like, that's what I'll put on. Um, yeah. de- depending on where I'm going, what I feel like I need to have on. Um, right. I've been making sure to do my shopping as best I can in those off hours. Right. You know, either just before they close or right when they open, which is rare for me to be up at that time. But yeah. one way I try to avoid the crowds, I've done a decent job at it, but even so. You're you know. still getting crowds, though. People are still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll just sort of, like, find yourself in the middle one and just have to deal until you can get out of it. 
Do you have a Trader Joe's near you? No. Oh, we have would have um, been crazy. We still have lines around the block. Really? Trader Joe's, yeah. Yeah, the closest... I mean, now they make you do the six-foot distancing, but at the beginning of this, I mean, I am talking wrapped around, like, you would not believe for Trader Joe's. It was wow. insane. It was an hour wait to get inside. It was crazy. But, and, but even now, you know, they do the six-foot distancing, so everyone's kind of spaced out. But no, you know, some people follow that rule. Some people don't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you'll still see them wrapped around, wow. waiting, waiting for... Whatever deals are at Trader Joe's right. been crazy. The closest thing I have here to a Trader Joe's is like it's a it's an independent business called Earthlight Natural Foods. So okay. Plug. Um, <laughs> but what they're doing is they're not a very big store, so they're only allowing a certain number in at a time. Yeah. So sometimes there's a line, but it's such a small store and it is on the pricier side. Because it's an independent, you know, health food store, right. blah, 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 blah. Luckily, like, I'm alone here, so I can manage it. Like, I could feed myself on that. But a, a big family or anything, it would be tough. Right. But yeah, I've, for sure. No, I mean, look. And prices are going up for, you know, meat and, oh, and yeah. all that. And Eggs the, and have been say, crazy up here. Yeah, the, and the quality is going down because what we're getting, they said you may not notice a shortage of meat. But what you'll notice is the quality because they're giving you back supply. So oh, it's kind of hmm. the meat that's not as good. So if you notice, maybe you get freezer burnt meat delivered or, you know what okay. I mean? It's most likely because it was older gotcha. and not the freshest, newest stuff. Hmm. And it's more expensive for not the, uh, for not the uh, good stuff. Right. But you right. may notice, you know, a lesson, a lesson quality right. going forward. But it's hard. Um, even in my grocery store, I can't get... Certain chicken that I usually get very often is real sporadic. Um, you know, I usually like to make myself a steak every once in a while. And half the time I think, oh, it's a good idea. I'll get the steak I like. It's not there. So mm. we're, we're definitely still having issues. So I don't know how long that's going to last. So you had mentioned earlier something that you had written. Yeah. Um, that you I'd like to definitely hear you read. Okay. Yeah, it's really just about uh, the perspective of the chronic illness person versus the healthy person. So, um, yeah, I'll read that. Um, Okay. There's a lot of really thought-provoking conversations going on right now. One that's very close to me is the conversation about having a chronic illness that leaves you mostly or completely homebound as it compares with the isolation and quarantine imposed by COVID-19. It's also interesting to see people have to live the way people with chronic illnesses live, avoiding germs and wearing masks. Healthy people have never thought about this. They've never had to. It's nice to know others understand what it's like. Will that understanding last after the smoke clears? The thing that people with chronic illness would like you to know is that we live like this every day. We are concerned about getting sick. We are aware a bigger widespread virus was imminent, but we are still trying to avoid E. coli, staph, the flu, salmonella, and anything that can make us sicker. We wipe things off. We worry every time someone coughs and doesn't cover their mouth. We worry when we see kids or adults sneeze without covering themselves. We worry every time we touch an elevator button. We worry every time we touch a door. We worry every time we get into a cab. We see you wiping your nose with your dirty hands, and we see you licking your fingers after you eat. We see you shake hands with people, take money out of your wallet, touch a door handle on a public building, and then bite your nails. It strikes fear and panic in us. We wash our hands a lot. We use alcohol swabs to wipe things down in public like tabletops or ATM machines. 
we try not to cross-contaminate. We are aware that touching a dirty item and then one of our personal items will cause a transfer of germs or bacteria, leaving us open to infection. We stay home. We know what it's like not to leave the house for days and days. If you need to find us, you know where we are. We have learned how to get things delivered, how to live a life from our couch. It often feels like we live in a parallel universe. Masks? Oh, we have masks. Some of us are immunocompromised, some of us have multiple chemical sensitivities, and some of us are both, which requires us to wear a mask in public. When we are exposed to fragrance like Glade plugins, Febreze, scented dryer sheets, Yankee candles, Lysol, any fragrance or fragrance chemicals or disinfectants, <laughs> we become very ill. Just like people who are going through cancer treatments who cannot tolerate chemicals because they are immunocompromised, it's the same for many chronic illness friends, minus the cancer. People have a lot of compassion for cancer patients, which is wonderful. They should. Unfortunately, this crossover of empathy to other illnesses that force us to wear a mask for the same protective needs haven't had the same type of public awareness in mainstream culture and seems to cause alienation and misunderstanding. This alienation presents itself in various ways. Dirty looks when you wear a mask. Physically pushing us out of the way when you see we are using a cane. Yes, that really can happen and has happened to me when I was going through a revolving door at Sephora. Jeez. I know. We have been brutalized at times for being sick. It causes PTSD. This coronavirus will continue to be triggering on many levels, depending on the person. I wouldn't be surprised if we have an increase in the need for different trauma therapies when this is all over, ranging from the Asian population being blamed and targeted for causing it, being afraid of germs, being ostracized for wearing a mask, or even those who are being ostracized because they have had the virus. It weighs heavy on all of us. No one is immune to COVID-19, and no one is immune to the toll it will take on our mental health. The other notable frustration that I'm seeing in the chronic illness community is about the hypocrisy surrounding virtual access. Many chronic illnesses have been told we could not work from home, that we could not study from home at the colleges or schools of our choice. We have been unable to access society in a productive manner because, quote, it's just not possible. As soon as this coronavirus hit, all of a sudden, employers, well, the whole world actually became a virtual reality instead of an inaccessible virtual fantasy. Society was always able to accommodate these people. It just wasn't. Now I understand as numbers increase, so does demand, but to many in the chronic illness population, it feels like compassion, empathy, and understanding was only created due to that demand. Where was it before? Or all of a sudden, hey, it's possible. When the disabled or sick needed to learn, get a degree, and pay bills, it wasn't. I feel guilty for even mentioning my own illness and struggles. We're dealing with such a global crisis that our own personal situations seem less relevant. The only problem with that is it doesn't make our illnesses go away. The pandemic didn't cure us, it just made life harder. Physical therapy offices are closed, pharmacies are overwhelmed, and there are even less resources and help because the demand is high and supply is nil. There is much knowledge that the chronic illness community can share with the newly initiated home dwellers and germaphobes. For once, we feel a little less alone, and at the same time, more disheartened and also heartened. To say it's complicated is an understatement. We know you feel weird doing all the wiping, worrying, and mask wearing. Please don't. We wish you had always done this. 
Many of us are hoping being aware of spreading germs will last even after the crisis is over. Many of us who use masks use cute reusable masks made for bacteria, germs, gases, etc. You can buy them on Amazon when there isn't a pandemic. If you are sensitive to smells or immunocompromised, they do work. I hope when this is all over that folks will remember that many of us have pre-existing conditions and that the world is a very dangerous place even without COVID-19. Very few people are entering this with zero vulnerabilities. Almost everyone I know has a pre-existing condition. Personally, I struggle managing a chronic systemic infection and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, a genetic mutation that affects everything made of collagen inside my body. I have also struggled with pneumonia, asthma, and my lungs have collapsed three times. I have a laundry list of diagnoses, but this is the part I worry about the most, my lungs. I'm going to need them to get through this, if I am going to get through it. They say 40 to 80% of people in California will contract COVID-19. I live in New York. I have to assume the odds are the same. Hang on tight, my dear friends. It's going to be a bumpy road. One last thought. When we get the N95 mask back into the marketplace, maybe we will all start wearing them. If we can't breathe germs on each other, we can't spread it, and we won't need to close down whole cities to contain the spread. We need unity and solidarity. Healthcare workers are the priority right now, and all masks need to go to them. This I wrote this at the beginning of COVID-19. Okay. Uh, so uh, once there are enough masks to go around, please think about protecting yourself and others. Or maybe we will all get custom mask helmets that the doctors use. I see us returning to life in the near future with masks, facial visors, lots of alcohol disinfectant, protective body wear, like hazmat suits and gloves. So... So I wrote that at the beginning, obviously, mm-hmm. that is pretty much where we went. Um, right. But the, the chronic illness conversation remains the same. That, right. doesn't, that doesn't change at all. Right. Where is that available for, for folks to read? Is that on Instagram? or? I have, um, I have it posted on Instagram. I had written it um, for publication, but for some reason, the paper that I write for, he kept saying he was going to post it which is why I wrote it um, in the beginning, but then he never did. But he did post uh, on Rockland County Times my uh, some of my TV recommendations uh, while we're in quarantine. Okay. <laughs> Just as helpful. <laughs> but if anyone listening would like um, like a copy of this, I, of course, can send it to anyone. I can even send it to you if you want to post it. Uh, with okay. The, uh, hmm. Man, I just went blank. Yeah, let's both take a drink. <laughs> Mm. it's not cocktail time yet but it seems like with uh, COVID people start cocktail time much earlier <laughs> yeah this is just water though it just happens to be in a red solo cup uh, okay but yeah it's just water no I didn't figure you were <laughs> I could have been boozing up though <laughs> it's not like we have bosses we have to answer to I mean who's gonna say no <laughs> no and that's one that's kind of one way I've been lucky is that my work from home hasn't it's slowed up, but it hasn't completely stopped. Because yeah. I know a lot of people who um, were just, their jobs pretty much told them, yeah, we're going to close and we might not take you back when we do reopen. Yeah. No, of I know. all the money they've lost. Crazy. Well, look at all the restaurants. All these, you know, we, I, I wasn't even ordering food delivery. I was so freaked out mm-hmm. until just recently, you know, um, I got some, you know, some takeout, but yeah, I mean, this is, 
this is hit hard. Although New York opened up the other day and all these restaurants, everyone's sitting outside, even though it's 90 degrees out. Um, you know, they got, they, they filled in. Apparently I was watching the news. You know, everyone was excited. You yeah, did this, the same thing here, like outside tables and all that stuff, which yeah. some places like it, they just set up tables in their parking lots, which is cool. I guess like, I don't know. I'd rather just wait, you know? I kind of, you know, I I guess Sonic has drive-up where they, like, serve you your food at your car, but mm-hmm. it seems like now would be a good time for drive-up where you sit and eat in the car. Yeah. And also drive-in movie theaters. I saw some of that was happening, even for concerts, and I thought that would be cool. I would go to a concert in my car. Yeah. You know, watch them on stage. I can dance in the car sitting. <laughs> I'm a much better dancer sitting than I am standing, so... There you go. <laughs> yeah, they they created a drive-in theater here. Um, which, just recently? Yeah, just recently. Because of this? Because of this, yeah. That's cool. Well, well, we had a diner here that was like showing movies on a brick wall and bringing out food to the cars. I mean, you know, people are inventive, but I like the idea of drive-in. I think that's awesome. I love drive-ins. Yeah, well, there was one he, up here that was unused, but the screen was still intact. So they did whatever repairs they needed to do and through other sort of like a bunch of businesses working together, they were able to open it up and have like drive-ins where the cars were six feet apart and all that stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Are they still doing it? I believe so. I was following it in the beginning. They started this in May. So I know that it's, I'm sure it's still going on. Because I know, like, the regular movie theaters are closed here still. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know when those will ever open. Or when concerts will come back. Yeah. It's going to be a while. Yeah, I don't know. There's too many unknowns. And now they say California is getting hit really hard. But, yeah. you know, the problem with that is they say how many positive tests they are, but it's, like, how many are translating to deaths. Because that's the... A lot of people are walking around coronavirus and they're fine. But... How many more deaths are there going to be? Because that's, that's scarier than just the corona numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the corona numbers means that's how many people can pass it to someone, which is terrifying. But as long as those people are ending up in the hospital on ventilators, then maybe the virus is mutating. Because they said, the you know, viruses are really smart. It totally, this also blows my mind. But they said that the coronavirus is... Um, you know, its its biggest goal is to stay alive, right? Which is why Ebola and things like that, they fizzle out so fast because it's so deadly that it doesn't get a chance to keep spreading, right? So coronavirus, mm-hmm. the, the idea is that it gets less deadly so that it can still survive. Okay. So if we're all dying from it, it's not an effective virus, right? right. Its main goal is to stay. Yeah. So... So that's good. I mean, if it's mutating, and even though people are testing positive, if it's a lighter infection, then we're in a much better place. And that's basically what I wait for. I mean, I'm not going to be able to join public until we have a vaccine or a cure, or it's so insignificant that it, you know, most likely can't be me. me. But everything's a calculated risk. You know, right now, you are taking a calculated risk. So you're deciding how much being at a restaurant means to you versus 
perhaps your health or carrying it to someone else. That's yeah. what we're doing right now. Right. Yeah. So the the question I had from your from your text earlier, and you yeah. can get as deep into this as you want, but um, so you've been inside only left like four times within the past since all this really hit until. Thursday, I went out on the fifth time for a doctor's appointment. I had to go back on Monday, so that's six times. But that's okay. why I said until last week. Even so, a, over the course of you know, like March, April, May, June, like yeah, six times is is really very, very few. Very few. So again, like you can get as deep into this as you want, but to kind of give people the idea of what you specifically are up against and people suffering from the same thing. You mentioned your lungs and how important they are to your ability to keep chugging along. Right. And this virus goes right for the lungs. So what could happen? Like, what are you up against if you were to get infected? Like, how 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 awful would that be? Right. So, right. So if it goes into my lungs, you know, the, well, see, that's what's so interesting about this coronavirus is that it is an inflammatory response, right? Okay. So what happens with the body, it goes into like super fight. And so it's sending in all those white blood cells, everything. And it's, um, and it's just total inflammation, right? We've had people with strokes because of it. It's everything is inflamed. So I already have an inflammatory condition. So I'm already trying to get the inflammation down. 24 seven, like it's my job. Um, so if you have, if, so if my body goes into a super inflammation, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if my lungs would even survive being on the respirator. The other thing is I'm pretty underweight. So people lose all that weight on those ventilators. I don't think my body would survive just, just the weight. And you know, of course they say, Oh, well that makes you less vulnerable, right? Cause I'm underweight, not overweight. But at the same time, if it does get me, yeah, I'm, screwed like they're gonna have to really pump some calories into me through you know that tube and then you have you know if if your lungs are a problem um i don't know i mean look i truly believe you know people can say you know your risks are more minuscule than other people's yeah but if i get it i'm i i don't think i would survive that that's what i think and i but also, there is a genetic uh, component of this where people are more sick based on their genetic type. And I don't know, and there's not enough information yet, but it would be really interesting to know which genes are helping people stay healthy when they get it versus unhealthy. And if we could just find that out, you know, yeah. then you go get your genetic testing and maybe it is safe for me to go out into the world, mm -hmm. right? But based on what we know for sure right now it is not safe for me to mm -hmm. venture out or have people over or you know anything right. yeah. yeah so have you heard anything about um blood type affecting the different outcome for people who get it i have i haven't um done enough reading you know i read a lot of medical journals and a lot of medical research a lot of real science you know i try to stay away from opinion or i'll read opinion about the virus and then i'll check it fact check it mm -hmm. you know on several different sources so i haven't really done a lot of reading on the blood type but i do believe um i'm o positive and i do believe o positive is less risky but there's just not enough right. information out there to really 
say, oh, yeah, it's fine, go on out. Yeah, you can't just go strutting out with nothing. Yeah, there's, I, I wouldn't, um, I probably wouldn't bet any money on that one right mm. now. So, for that reason, I, yeah, I don't know enough. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had heard, I had heard that, and I, but it does, it does seem like very wishy-washy, and it doesn't seem about too much that I've found to really back it up to a point that yeah. eases eases anybody's mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not enough. I mean, if if someone's looking for that calculated risk, and then they're saying, "Yeah, but I'm also this blood type, so I think things are better," and you know, I mean, sure, you could probably factor that in. But you know, someone texted me a girl I know lives in Florida, and she was here when coronavirus was first on the spread. Apparently, uh, she thought it would be fine to come for a trip that week. She texted me when she got here. I said, what are you doing? Go home. She's like, no, it's great. There's like no one in the restaurants. I go, yeah, because you're not supposed to be in them. You need right. to go back home. Right. I kept telling her, just rent a car and go back home. No, we're going to fly. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. So now she's in Florida. She's like, Oh, this is crazy. This is so terrible. You know, I'm like, yeah, I know. This whole thing is really bad. <laughs> it was bad before you came around to your visit. Right. I don't know why. She was just like oblivious to it. And um, now, of course, we're just getting hit really hard. But, um, you know, her daughter's supposed to come up here to college in the fall. And she asked me if the schools were going to open. I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I would say you need to you know, pay attention to the news and see what's going on. But I told her even that I, she goes, you think it's going to be safe? I was like, look, it's a, it's everything's a calculated risk. You have to decide with your daughter yeah. if that's a great idea. Like there's really no right answer for that. It's going to be whatever you are comfortable with. And you know, I, there's no way I can tell someone that. Yeah. You know, just, just all I say, you know, is do your research. Don't believe anyone just because someone else is doing it. Doesn't mean it's right for you. You know, you do it because you read everything possible and you made that decision for yourself. Do not let anyone make that decision for you. That is, I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you only have to answer to yourself if something happens or doesn't happen, right? Right. You know, your neighbor doing whatever they want, you know, they, they're not going to be responsible for you if you get sick. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But that's a big one. You know, these people go on to college. It's really scary. I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I had a kid going to school. Yeah. I mean, friends of mine, like either kids are home and they're homeschooling or college friends of mine are just doing online classes, which, you know, like might be as dark as, I don't know if this even sounds right to say, but I'm going to (laughs) say it, is... I've, over the past several months, I've found little tiny, like, silver linings in this horrible thing. And, you know, one aspect of it is, like, everyone who wasn't already having to quarantine themselves um, sort of got a chance to breathe a little. And there's been these... Yes. for For however... true or not they are there's been these cute little stories of nature you know the dolphins are are um in the in venice you know the 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 water is clear for the first time in decades there you know i know from my experience just sitting like out my window here that the cats have taken over the neighborhood 
and it, it's it's crazy <laughs> to say, but like it's true yeah. that all the feral cats, there's less people on the street, especially March and April. No sure. people were out, and they were just seeing and hearing cats constantly that I'd That's never so seen before, and it had to be because there just wasn't as many things to spook them. Yeah. So like nature is getting this weird opportunity to kind of bounce back a little bit with right. us just all having to go away for a while. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's good. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, in New York, it's our rat population that has been enjoying right. all this alone time. <laughs> we don't, other than that, we don't have a whole lot of uh, other wild animals. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Environmentally, this has been a real gift. You know, it also shows uh, that we were able to have some self-control and restraint and that we don't have to be, you know, on steroids 24-7 with what we're producing, making, traveling, flying, you know, all of it. Yeah, I think like, overall I was surprised at how compliant folks were. I think yeah. that the, the people who were against it were a very loud minority. Yeah. Like that's sort of how I look at it. They got the attention because they were loud, not because how many there were. I could yeah. be wrong, but yeah. I, I do feel like it was a little bit more of bark with with those folks. Yeah. Because, um, again, as far as like from my neighborhood, everyone just, you know. Complied. Did what they, yeah, they, they complied and just did it. Yeah. And well, maybe, you know, we, yeah. The, the, the feeling of better be safe than sorry, you know, I think rings true to a lot of people. But then you have people that were just frustrated and felt like it was some kind of infringement on their rights. But I have to say, if the whole, like, no shirt, no shoes, no service doesn't bother you, uh, putting on a mask to enter, if you know, a, a gas station or Walmart or whatever, that shouldn't be a problem to you either. People just wanted to make problems where there wasn't. I hope you're right. I hope it is a minority and not a majority that was doing that. <laughs> you're right. right. They were loud and they, they are so, uh, uh, it's provocative, you know. Yeah. But they're... they're that's there's always gonna be another side, you know. Yeah, for sure. Or, yeah. I, you know, I I get it. People are mad. It felt like their jobs were being taken from them. You know, uh, Wendy's has less burgers. People were mad about that. They said, "Oh, you know, this is the shutdown," and it's like, well, no, Wendy's had less burgers because the factory, the meat factories, people got sick and yeah. couldn't couldn't produce. Right. Not, you know, the shutdown did that. People were sick is what did that. Yeah. It's kind of faulty logic, but mm. it's been a lot of that. So, if we can touch back um, yeah. on last year's conversation, um, it would be hard to not factor coronavirus into this. But since we spoke last year, mm -hmm. how how are you doing with Lyme, Ella Daniels? Like, have you? Um, you know, there's been some improvements. I was having terrible, terrible. Uh, hip pain and even in October uh during my trip I was using a wheelchair in China I went to China and Japan but I was using a wheelchair just to get down the hallway of the hotel right. like I could get to where I was going I would take the wheelchair mm -hmm. from the room to elevator elevator to the reception area I could get in the car and then we you know wherever we went we went just to that place I wasn't yeah, doing yeah. any walking or traveling mm -hmm. um and then I would get back to the hotel it, just because the the hallways were too long and my ankles were so inflamed. Um, 
and I had been having all these hip problems. So that I have to say is the hip has gotten a lot better. I wasn't able to slide in and out of a cab um, or, you know, get in, in and out of a car. You know what I mean? Where you have to slide to get yeah. out. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. That's how horrible and painful it was. Um, so that's actually gotten better. And there was a combination of things, you know, it's different medications um, that knock some of it down. Um, and also some interventions like radiofrequency ablation in my spine and neck. Um, that seemed to help a little, uh, as I was having the horrible neck issues as well. And, um, what else has gotten a little bit better? I still, yeah, I still have really bad brain fog. It's really hard for me to remember stuff. Um, I have this really weird thing going on with my vision that started happening about a year and a half ago that no one can figure out, which is really horrible yeah. when you've been to like the neuro ophthalmologist and like the top eye guys and they're going, it's not coming from your eye. So you go get a brain scan and you know, they give you the results of the brain scan. They're like, does this show anything here about why I can't see? Mm. And, and they're like, no, the part of your brain isn't affected. That's, you know, um, the eyes. And I'm like, so what is causing this, this blurriness that I have that no one seems to think I have, Yeah, you know, they've given me glasses. I, I don't really have, I have like basically perfect vision, but they thought maybe I had a tiny bit. They're like, you have a tiny bit of astigmatism. They're like, maybe we should uh, fix that. And, you know, maybe, you know, so they gave me, it didn't do anything for me. Hmm. So I have no idea what we're dealing with as far as that goes, but it really makes like focusing really hard. It makes reading hard. It makes writing hard. And I still have wrist thumb problems, you know, where I'm bracing wrist and thumb. So you know, uh, there's a lot of us in the chronic pain community that's, you know, it's called pain whack-a-mole. You know, you get rid of one pain, right. but you're never without all pain. Right. Unfortunately, there's always like something else. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's exhausting to try to figure it all out. And, and even if you have one day where you feel pretty good, you can't count on two days, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, but I can say, I mean, look, that hip stuff that was going on was outrageously painful. Mm. So to have that better is such a big deal. Right. It just doesn't change the quality of my life much, but it changes how much pain I'm dealing with, which is, look, I'm always happy to have less pain. Yeah, no pain. Yeah. Do you find that different times a year affect you differently? I haven't had that experience. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, get, get, um, more, uh, their symptoms are more exacerbated during summer because it's so hot. Um, you know, other people when it's cold, um, I personally haven't had that. It's kind of the same all the time. Cause like, yeah. I know for me, which is far lower scale of un uncomfort, hey, but summer, summer always seems to hit me harder Mm -hmm. than winter, which you would think may sometimes be the opposite. The cold weather may make people experience more pain. But for right. me, I do think, like, it's real... You, you'd be surprised, Ella, like, how swampy it is here. Like, yeah. It really is. Super humid. Yeah. And yeah. that seems to... That's what does it. And last summer, I experienced something I'd never experienced before, so for me, when the pain hits, it usually hits the knees and my ankles first. Ah, interesting, yeah. I feel like that could be a weak point with me because I was super active up until 
this point. Yeah. And my, probably yeah. my knees and ankles probably got, you know, a little bit more abuse than other joints and parts of the body. Right. So I was driving somewhere. I'm in a car. It's 90 degree day. In the car, I have the air conditioning on. Get to where I'm going. And where I was going was even hotter. I was going from Stroudsburg to Allentown, which is south, and okay. down the mountain. So the humidity goes up, temperature goes up from here to there. When I got to where I was going, in my air-conditioned little cube of a car, the moment I stepped out of the car, it was as if someone just put a Christ nail in my left knee. Just yeah. as, boom. Instant. Just like that. Yeah. And, it, and there's nothing... You were fine like, until you weren't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, you know, Lyme eats collagen and cartilage. So, you know, if you... And like my, I like you, I was very active. I was always doing stuff mm -hmm. and you know, it's hard to determine. Was that a usage issue? Is it a, mm -hmm. you know, is it, it is part of, you know, part of my genetic mutation is also that, you know, it's a collagen problem and cartilage problem. So it's like, is that it? Or is, was the Lyme eating it? Cause I don't have much cartilage in my knees, which I don't know if you've had an MRI on your knees or I x-ray, yet, but no. you may have decreased collagen as well. I mean, they can do some injections. You might be helped by that in the future but it could just be your Lyme and then you take your antibiotic and it calms it back down again yeah. for a while because the, right? sum, the summer of um, <coughs> excuse me the summer mm -hmm. of 2008 or 2018 um, 2018? When, yeah Okay. when everything really hit it was yeah. my knees and ankles that I, and all I could do was, was shuffle yes. you know around yeah and it's not been it's it's not been that bad since then. So I did a month of doxycycline mm -hmm. on top of I think prior to two weeks, and I did my own things too. I you know reeled in my diet, made sure that I wasn't working against myself with what I was eating. What'd you get rid of, like gluten or dairy or what? Um, did? I didn't totally get rid of gluten. Only yeah. because in my so in my case, I wasn't totally sure that that was the main culprit. Yeah. So I decided to see what would happen if I just eased it off. But yeah. I, like, I got rid of just certain things that I ate in general that probably were pretty evil. Um, I had never read the side of a cereal box until <laughs> then. Yeah. And I was a big cereal guy. Yeah. And I was, you know trying to be more conscious of what I'm eating, I kept looking at labels and the size of boxes. And I'm looking at these cereals that Ella, I loved so much. And they were betraying me the whole time. Aww. So I stopped with cereal. So I just walked yeah. through the aisle and waved now. Yeah. No, that's so wild. But, uh, it could be barometric pressure too, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. You know? But that's interesting That's that it was that immediate. But yeah, I mean, definitely. So I take it a move to Florida is probably out of the question for you. Yeah, as if I needed <laughs> another reason. That's, it's been... Well, yeah. you know, it's funny. I was in Florida last summer in uh -huh. August. You know, you think about, God, what times are we living in? Because there was a bacteria in the uh, Gulf of Mexico hmm. at that time. So I didn't go even on the beach. I just sat at the pool that faced the beach because the um, sand was also, in fact, if you had a cut or anything, it, the bacteria oh. was getting people's cuts even from the sand. 
So I was like, oh, crap, I can't even, couldn't go to the beach last summer. And then we had like, then we had this pandemic. I almost forgot about the bacteria at the ocean. It's like, it is really crazy times we are in. Yeah. You know, I mean, there were foreigners going in the water, but when you ask locals, um, are you going to, will you swim in the water? They go, oh no, that's for people from like Iowa. We're not going. And so when they told me that, I was like, well, I ain't going then. Yeah. (laughs) You should have to be subjected to Forget it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I didn't even know about that. Yes. Yeah, the Gulf was totally infected last summer. I don't wow. know what, what it's like now. I never uh, really followed up on it. I was only concerned because I was going there. But I, I wonder if they're still having the same issues. I don't know. I don't know. If so, I'm sure that Corona like kind of overshadowed yeah, it. Kinda, yeah, and everyone forgot about everything. Whether it's but still it was, there or not. It was like a flesh-eating bacteria that was in the ocean. So like it was it was no messing around. Like, yeah. You did not want to catch it. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. What are your well either with coronavirus and what you're going through now, which just seems based on what you're saying, it's just an up and down thing where some days are better than others. But um what do you see what do you, how are you feeling the future looking like for corona in terms of you or like other people who are suffering with chronic illness? I don't know. I mean, a lot of us have talked about it. We've had a lot of anxiety because we know people have headed out. Um, we've cried about it, you know, um, because it is so frustrating knowing that people are headed out and we are still stuck at home until there yeah. is a vaccine or a cure, you know, something. Um, I mean, that's basically it. I am on pause. I am on pause till this is over. There's not going to be a, not going on any trips. I'm not going out to eat. This is it. I mean, this is, I've gotten very used to being in my apartment and I know it was a big adjustment for a lot of people. I mean, fortunately I have a lot of experience being at home. So if this felt like an extension of that, although I have to say this is getting to be a really long extension you know, I thought even about like renting a house somewhere that I could drive to easily ish that maybe had a pool so I could at least swim in a house, a private house, because I would love to go swimming or something just to do something different. But, yeah. you know, everything is, it's, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know how comfortable yeah. I am with that. And I have to depend on the grocery delivery. And I, if I go someplace that I'm not really familiar with, I don't know the layout. I don't know if I'm able to get things, you know, it's a lot to factor in, but yeah, of course I, I would love I would love for things to change soon, but my feeling is, you know, things aren't going to change till 2021 and I'm going to be right where you left me, you know, six months from now. That's my, that's my feeling. Gotcha. What do you feel about the possibility of a second wave? Do you think that could happen? I mean, it's, you know, Based on what you're seeing in the research you've done. Yeah, you know, I read a lot of stuff and, you know, right now they say we are not in a second wave. We are definitely in the first wave. Um, and it does seem that if this virus is going to mutate, maybe that if there is not just an extended first wave, because I've also read doctors who say they think this is just going to be an extended first wave until we figure things out or, you know, it mutates. Um, so this is either going to be one long big first wave or that second wave will be much reduced. Um, you know, that's, that's my feeling. So, you know, I just don't know. I don't know. This is really weird. You know, in New York, I feel like maybe we're not getting a full story because 
you know, they're saying that, you know, we still have low numbers with the coronavirus and they're saying it's because everyone's wearing their masks and doing the social distancing. But, you know, we just had all those protests. Granted, they were outside. That helped a lot. Yeah. But my feeling is that, like, somebody's not telling me something. I feel like we're right back to where we were in February, you know, where everyone's just not really doing a lot about it. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's just, like, the, the PTSD in me, though, that, like, mm. stop, wait, everyone, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go back home. Right. Um, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to sound an alarm and tell everyone. <laughs> But, like, that's how it feels to me. Like, we're doing this wrong. Like, something is wrong here. But I don't know if you saw today, but we are limiting it. So if you come in from out of state, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, I think it is, um, you have to quarantine for 14 days before you can go out. Yeah, they had that rule here up until recently. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, ever um, see, like, the big... I think I think we all just got a pack. So... If yeah. someone's coming from Florida, they've got a they've got a quarantine for 14 days, which is so interesting though because I'm like, how do they find these people? I guess if you check into a hotel, you're marked, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to an Airbnb, maybe there's some kind of reporting on that. Mm-hmm. But if you're just, I have no idea. I don't know how do they find these people. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when they had that rule here, because I know all the governors have been like working together in this like yeah, state area. Sure. So we went green just a couple of days ago. And I think okay. that that particular rule was lifted, but you ever see the, um, like the Amber alert signs on the highway? Yeah. Like the big light up billboards. So though every one of those down the highway here was telling people, if you come from out of state quarantine for 14 days, if you're coming huh. in. So, um, so, yeah, yeah so I, don't I, don't know. Know, I don't know how that works. So how do they enforce that? They say it's $2,000 for the first offense, and then it's, like, 5000 for the second offense. Like, they they really get you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's expensive if you get caught, I guess. Yeah. I've not heard of anybody getting caught. I know, right? But maybe they have. I mean, what's the point of having it if we aren't enforcing it? Now, I don't know if you've done any reading about certain parts of Asia, but if you fly in... You have to get in a certain cab that is just these cab drivers. Um, I can't remember if it was in China or Singapore or Japan. I, I'm spacing on where exactly it was. But you have to, if you get into, I think it was China, you get into their car and they are designated coronavirus cab drivers. So they are taking certain precautions for outside travelers and they get an extra $100 a day or $100 a week for being that. And they can only work three weeks out of the month, and then they have to take two weeks off to quarantine themselves. So it's like this whole whole system they have. And when you go to the hotel, the hotel checks you in, and you cannot leave the hotel for 14 days. You know, it's right. a whole thing. I mean, it's wow. really interesting. But, you know, other countries, they're smaller. They can they can do things like that. In the yeah. United States, we're, we're giant. We have, you know, we have a lot more freedom and a lot more people. So it's a lot harder to enforce those kinds of things. So I don't know. I don't know. No. I'd be curious. We, I need to read on that because I'm curious how they are enforcing it. Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard. Gotcha. So I'd like to just jump back um, to what we were saying just a few minutes ago. Um, you said that you feel as though someone may not be telling you something or something's being done wrong. Um, so when you mentioned the protests, 
naturally what I was expecting, you see all the protests, and I'm not questioning, not saying anything about the protests, but I was expecting to see um, cases just go poof again. That's what I thought, Including too. here, like, like we had a protest here as well, yeah. that somehow managed to rake in over a thousand people. But it's like, oh. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I know. yeah. Yeah, um, I know. I had the same feeling. I'm like, when they would take down the mask, I'm like, no, put the mask back up. Right. But <laughs> we really didn't see, you know, and New York was a huge place for for the protests, as well as Philly. Now, I have friends in Philly also, and we really didn't see spikes because of it. So either everyone did everything right, or it's just weird. Like, there are these weird little holes. Yeah. It's it's really hard to put that puzzle together because you're like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does not. It defies logic. Honestly, it defies. I know they were outside, but you were. Everyone was so close together, and you know when you're impassioned like that, you don't think about like oh I got to keep myself protected, right? You're, mm-hmm. you know, I mean you're you've got a cause, and be, you know you you're doing that. You're not thinking oh yeah my mask fell off or anything like that so mm-hmm. yeah no i find it i find it really strange that that it wasn't it, that everyone's not sick right now and that the hospitals aren't packed but i mean they say they're not so i have to just assume yeah. that's the case you know because i know what it looked like here before and it was you know that was crazy yeah about time we're gonna wrap up okay but um i'm so glad you were able to do this yeah, um, did you, you have anything you wanted to add in? I don't want. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I'll probably think of a thousand things after we're done. But <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you feel free to like send me things if you want. I could always okay. attach stuff, yeah. things, and, and and put up links um, okay. to your pages and things. Remind me again of your Instagram for folks to be able to find you. Right. So my Instagram is Life at Lime with Ellers Danlos, and that's. Spelled E H L E R S D A N L O S, um, and if and if it, anyone disagrees uh, <laughs> with with the fact that I think coronavirus exists, please don't please don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, yeah, no one, I'll make sure no one jumps on us. We've I've yeah. had some like COVID related um, talk conversations before and so far no one is no one has been like that no yeah, one has been like that really? i don't I think, think enough people, people listen to, so great that's perfect yeah no it's just so funny because people would argue with me and then like we were dividing we like we were friends about lime or crown and illness and then it was dividing us as a community and it's like guys wouldn't this be better if we just stuck together and respected each other's positions instead of trying to tell each other we're wrong but you also have to make sure you're listening to information and not opinion. And if someone's giving you that, you should keep an open, flexible mind. And I've tried, even though I have my feelings about things based on what I've done reading-wise, I have tried to remain open and flexible and with meeting everything with curiosity. And I guess I just encourage everyone, meet things with curiosity. Do your own research. It's just what I hope everyone will do. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. Ella gave us a lot of good information and a lot to think about. I'll be back next week with another fun guest. Until then, you can check out my work on Instagram at Albert Shivers 
And don't forget to check out Ella's Instagram page for more information on what she's doing at Life with Lime and Ella Daniels. You could find this episode and more on Spotify, Google Play, the podcast app, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Thank you again so much for listening. Hope you all are doing well out there, and we'll talk to you next week.